Hey, hey guys, guys. Welcome, welcome back, back to, to Don't, Don't Take, Take Our, Our Word for it. it. We're just uh, two Korean American gals trying to navigate the socially relevant, culturally confusing, and, and everything, everything in between in a way we know best, but don't, don't take, take our, our word for it. it. We just want to say thank you to everyone who tuned into our first episode on feminism. Woohoo! And We'd like to take this time to pay special thanks to our amazing, our wonderful sound magician, Austin, Austin Hall. Hall. Thank Ooh. you. <laughs> we totally forgot to credit him, but just to let everyone know, Austin's been here with us from day one. Yes. So he's very much a part of our team. Would not be able to upload this audio. Literally. We him. would not. It would, it would just have been recorded on our iPhones, like. Yeah, you don't want that. So <laughs> you don't want this voice. So he really elevates us to another, <laughs> another level, level. <laughs> a professional level. So thank you. Yeah. All right. Um, so before we begin, mm -hmm. I have some. I want to ask you if you know. Okay. Did you play Pokemon Go? I. Yes. <laughs> like 2 a.m. I did. You know, 2 a.m. sitting in some shady parking I, lot. Yes, exactly I that. Was there. <laughs> you were there? I was there. Were you? Was that you? <laughs> well, so the same people at Niantix, they just released a new game yesterday. What's Niantix? The, the company that created the Pokemon Is Go that like game. an app company? I guess so. Okay. I'm, I don't know exactly like what they do, if they do other things, mm -hmm. but they're known for that Pokemon Go game. Aww. So they built the same a similar gameplay mobile app game but with harry potter harry potter yes. i don't not. know if you're a harry potter fan you know what i'm not as big of a fan <sighs> as i was just gonna ask you if you were to pick a house like which house you feel like you would belong to this right. is very important actually according I to asked, Pottermore, oh, okay, okay i was a hufflepuff mm -hmm. But I say was because I didn't like Hufflepuff. Oh. I was like, Hufflepuff, Hufflepuffs are losers. <gasps> I know, I know. And so I like made a new email account just so that I can take that hat test again. Okay. And I turned out to be a Gryffindor, Ooh. which I was like, yeah, I'm a Gryffindor. Okay. But then I w kind of felt ashamed for like being ashamed of the Hufflepuff, of being a Hufflepuff at first. So I made another email account just to take the test again. But I got Gryffindor again, and okay, I never so you, got Hufflepuff. Just wow. So I made, like, made I think it. four more email you, accounts you know, after you that. You did your part. <laughs> you went back, and you want to confirm, like, your true identity. I think I just you, wanted to see if I really am a Hufflepuff. You know what's funny? I totally resonate as a Hufflepuff. You do? Yeah. You know what's funny is I do, too, but... I totally think I am. So when I took that Pottermore test, uh -huh. same deal. I got Ravenclaw, which... I can see you like see, a yeah, you're like it. a raven puff yeah, or yeah. A, Definitely a hufflepuff or, I don't Definitely know what you <laughs> if I could marry the two I would be hufflepuff yes I totally see that but when I got the results I was like no I'm for sure I'm pretty sure like if I lived in that time yeah or in the in the books I would be sitting there and be like, you could be, you could be a Ravenclaw I'm like nah dude you a hufflepuff I'm a hufflepuff you soul is I'm a hufflepuff, hufflepuff. <laughs> Austin what. What do you think Austin would be? I think Slytherin. he'd be a Griffin. Really? <laughs> Slytherin. What? For sure. <laughs> you have this ambition that you really, he, he's the one that drives us, actually. Right? Keeps us in line and really pushes us. Yeah, it's, yeah he's so. actually kind of kind of like a bully sometimes, but you know. <laughs> that's, not, that's not what I was thinking, but hey, you said it. 
but you were thinking it. <laughs> so I think Slytherin, but I don't know. Oh, no. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, oh, you yeah. are a Gryffindor. Oh, he just checked on Google, and he is a Gryffindor. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> so we got two Gryffindors in the house, and a little Hufflepuff. I'm a Huffle Griff. Okay, Griff Grifflepuff. Grifflepuff. No, but I'm a Huffle first. Okay, you're Huffle. Huffle. That sounds kind yeah, of. Yeah, I know. Huffledore. Huffledore. Oh, I kind of like it. Huffledore. I like Huffledore. All right. Okay. Okay. Now that. Okay. Let's get on with the show. <laughs> this is the turn to Harry Potter. This I is why we can't talk about Harry Potter on this show. All this right. This would just turn into a Harry Potter podcast. Yeah. <laughs> which I wouldn't mind, but I wouldn't either. But. Okay, but let's anyways, get on. let's get on. So our vision for the series is to basically showcase different artists and their craft. And why do you want to do that, Joanne? I mean, sometimes the best way to appreciate something is to really know what's going on behind the scenes or like the inner workings of a craft. Mm -hmm. And so I think we just want to bring people onto this podcast and really pick their brains about what they're passionate about. Yeah. And I love that because, I mean, you can look into art like my own life. When I watch those docuseries or documentaries, Mm -hmm. I just have a greater appreciation for for whatever it is that I'm, I'm learning about. Right. Like, right. for example, you know, we all watch that documentary on Netflix, Jiro Dreams of Sushi. Yeah. You know, I always love sushi, but after I watched it, I felt like. I feel like I, I can't even eat sushi anymore. I just have to, like, pr- stare at it. I'm like, how many times it. have you whisked this egg? I know. I need to know. How many years did you prep the rice for? <laughs> <laughs> have you a pre- are you an apprentice? You know? <laughs> sushi but but it's it's such an art form to it which i just have a greater appreciation for and i'm also watching this documentary called free solo Mm -hmm. what is free solo (laughs) if you guys haven't watched it watch it um so it's basically this guy wait where can you find that on on hulu oh okay hulu um so this guy it's a documentary following this guy named alex and he's basically planning to free solo climb El Capitan, the Yosemite, that big Free wall. solo climb. Insert. Yeah. I get it. But as I'm watching, I didn't realize like how much planning and like meticulous like calculations mm-hmm. are involved in just free climbing. You know, mm-hmm. when I go to those rock climbing places, you just go for it. And I just see people going for it. Yeah. But after watching it, I realized like there's so much thought and, and a process to mm-hmm. it. And I just have a, a greater appreciation for people who rock climb. Yeah, that's definitely like a fear that I need to <laughs> overcome at some point in my life because uh, I've definitely gone hiking where it's turned into like a rock climbing course and I am absolutely traumatized no, by it. So. I, I tried. I got like three feet off the ground and, I, and I'm like, get me down. <laughs> yeah. somebody, somebody come help me. Yeah, so maybe I need to watch that documentary. <laughs> it's, it's really cool. So I, I do recommend it. It's really, it's, it's a cool documentary. Yeah. I mean, so in this episode, we want to kind of preface the rest of the series with some discussion about art in general. Right. Because before we even jump into and bringing on guests and talking about their art and their craft, Mm -hmm. we thought it was important to kind of talk about what is art. Yeah, what is art? And how do we really appreciate it? And what does that even mean? I know. I, I feel like art can kind of be intimidating sometimes. Totally. I don't. It's I, not so approachable. Right. And it's funny because it it totally is. Mm-hmm. But I completely understand how it could come off a little pretentious or 
snooty. I know. I feel like people only think it's for the hipsters or oh, the yeah. intellectuals. Oh, yeah. The art walk goers, you know? Right, with your beret and your I black turtlenecks. The museum goers. People might be disinterested in art because they think it's not – they're not creative yeah, or artistic. Could, I've heard that. People could totally disqualify themselves from the get-go. Like, yeah. oh, this isn't really my thing. Like, yeah. I don't really get it. I'm not artistic. Like, this is – which is fair. Like, a fair – Yeah. You know, it's an interest. It's a hobby. But, but I think it's totally approachable for everyone. And I think if you kind of understand what to look for – Right. You can really – it gets really fun. It's true. Yeah. And if you know a little bit more about it or like the person who created the art, I feel like you have a better connection to what you're looking at or hearing. Mm-hmm. Um, I've actually heard the flip side too. Like people look at something that somebody did and say, I could have done that. Or like a yes. child could have done that. <laughs> That's so common. Yeah. I was actually at this like little kitschy LA store, like stationery store. Mm-hmm. And they had these little figurines and they were cute but it looked like um like little play-doh figures like mm-hmm. some kid kind did of it really it look like play-doh because you know what play-doh no, looks yeah, like I, when I it's I all crusty and dry okay maybe a little bit more refined oh but in terms of like shape and colors mm-hmm. it it looked like just a, a like m- a mold yeah of, of play-doh mm-hmm. there's like a little sticker and i guess they were selling it and each figurine it was like seven hundred dollars. Yeah, like that's something I don't understand. <laughs> like I am an I would honest. say that I'm I, an artist at I don't heart. Discredit seven hundred dollars for like a little. I mean, get it if you can if you can sell your little Play-Doh figurines for seven hundred dollars. Dang, dude! Props to you. You are the swindler of all time. Mm. But yeah, so things like that, I completely get it. Like I understand. I don't. When I go to museums, there are pieces that I really resonate with, and there yeah. are some pieces that I'm like, I don't, I don't really I don't get. get it. Yeah, no, it's I've okay. been to. I went to SF MoMA mm-hmm. recently, and uh, I was looking at all the different kinds of. It was mostly contemporary art in there, and there were literally some paintings that were canvases, canvases painted in one color like one tone of acrylic blue green red paint and Mm. that was I don't know considered amazing Mm -hmm. and so thought-provoking and I just I could not understand I'm like wow (laughs) I literally could have taken the canvas that I have at home and done that bought the Crayola um, the giant acrylic paint tubes of Crayola yeah like your target down the street has acrylic paint Gonna put that on a canvas and MoMA, you should buy it off me. Mm. I, yeah, I totally understand like both sides of it. Like right. I get it as an artist, there's a process to it, but it's also kind of crazy looking at the prices that people stick to their their work sometimes. Yeah, but there is, there has to be a reason for it. Yeah. Um, and once you kind of get into, uh, you know, like how it got there, mm-hmm. It, that's where things get kind of interesting actually so what wh- how would you define art how do you how do you even oh, define like what art is art is your soul <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> i don't really know. i i don't know so i'm gonna default to the most trusted source on the planet dictionary.com awesome and it says art is works produced by human creative skill and imagination interesting so it's a pretty broad descriptor very broad i'm assuming that this includes like all different types of mediums 
um, whether it be, you know, painting sculptures, uh, anything to film and music, yeah, dance, writing, anything that you are creatively producing mm-hmm. to express something that is considered art. So it's a huge gamut. Like anyone and everyone can enjoy it and participate. Exactly. Yeah. So by nature, I'm assuming art is very subjective. Like anybody can look at a piece of art and judge make their judgment about it they have their personal taste in it mm-hmm. that's how people become right. famous af- mostly after they're dead <laughs> unfortunately <laughs> yeah um but yeah so i was we were thinking and you know what are some ways that we can like where would we start like where if i was a person that had no had no background in art like i don't know anything about it but i kind of want to start understanding like where would i even start So when you're approaching a work of art, it really does help to have some sort of frame of reference. And by that, I mean context. So history. Yeah, it's huge Um, because when you're looking at a piece of art, like let's say at a museum Mm -hmm. and you know what time period it's from, what is what is its social political atmosphere at the time? Like what is what's the artist's affiliation? Like, is he part of some sort of movement? Mm -hmm. Does he have some sort of message that he's trying to convey? Like all these little details Mm -hmm. really help you understand what the artist is trying to convey through Mm -hmm. their work. Mm -hmm. Even understanding like the artist's background and what their story was. um, It it also gives you another dimension when uh, you're looking at a painting or a sculpture or you're listening to um, a song. Mm -hmm. So we kind of briefly (laughs) want to fill you in on some art history. Brief is very subjective here. (laughs) (laughs) We tried our best. But honestly, like this is like 150 plus hours of lectures that I sat through in college Mm -hmm. of just art history and we're breaking it down we're going to attempt to explain it all in like 15, like 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. So I remember please. sitting down with you and saying, let's do a brief art history lesson. And you and I stared at each other and kind of understood. It was like just hitting in that me. moment what that really means. I, like, and oh, shoot, what, is, <laughs> what does that even look like? Where do I even start? Exactly. So this is us just trying to break it down as much as we can. And these are very general swaths of time period. Yeah. So please excuse us, you art historians, if yes. we miss something major or, or said something, something wrong. We're just trying to breeze through. Okay. So let's start from the beginning, okay. like the very beginning. With what pre- kind of beginning are we pre- talking here? Prehistoric art. Okay. <laughs> AKA cave art. Okay. AKA this, we're just going to cover 27,000 years <laughs> in right a now in a sentence. <laughs> So, uh, so it kind of breaks down to like Paleolithic, Mesolithic, and Neolithic eras. Whoa, lots I know of a lot there. of a lot of words. Just Google it. Okay. But lithic <laughs> yes. kind of means the Stone Age. So okay. that's kind of lithic stone. That's that's the uh, association there. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of where we start to see like humans mm-hmm. um, start to creatively uh, record mm-hmm. um, things about their life daily life daily life so Mm -hmm. a lot of it's like agriculture a lot of hunter gatherers so you're going to see a lot of cave art that represents food Mm -hmm. the primary um like subject matters included food and procreation Mm -hmm. which really nothing has changed 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even today. Like, I know, right? Wait a second. I see a pattern here. <laughs> we we haven't changed much since the Stone Age. Just a little more sophistication, but we're we all the same. We've become a little bit more metaphorical, but yeah. nothing's really changed. <laughs> I remember in my uh, World History of Ceramics class, we, we did cover the prehistoric uh, period, and there were literally, I guess they called it... Um, carvings mm-hmm. wall carvings of like bison mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah um there was like a part of france like a cave in france where they discovered uh sculptures or like wall carvings of bison and i guess that was probably something that they hunted during that time so that's just like an example of uh just something like a work of art or a piece of art from that period yeah so it was very much about their food sources um as 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 civilizations start to get more sophisticated mm-hmm. you start to see especially in the neolithic age mm-hmm. more depictions of tools that they're using mm. um it becomes a little bit more you start to get an insight of their religion and what, how they're making sense of, of the world of the world mm-hmm. like if um especially like with fertility it was, it was really big because yeah know, it's really, life was hard it was the ice age and People, I'm assuming, are just dying because it's it's hard. It's a hard time. Like if an Etsy store were to be to exist at that time period, I would I would say like fertility figures would be like the main. It would be the hot top hot item. Hot buys. Everybody's be everyone's making figurines. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so with that, so we're starting to see a more sophistication of like civilizations and then now we enter the ancient civilizations of mesopotamia so now humans are starting to populate Mm. a little more things are a little bit easier right so they're kind of getting a grip on how to work with each other and you're getting more civilizations um uh bigger groups of people so i would honestly google all these details but long story short mesopotamia was the area uh, it's called the land between the rivers and the rivers that they're referring to are the euphrates and the tigris rivers um so the civilizations during this time uh include sumeria babylonia assyria persia huge mm-hmm. uh and egypt and um kind of like the mycenaean greek uh mm-hmm. civilizations as well so that all of those, again, very general swaths, but a lot of the art uh, during these times uh, depended on which civilization was um, dominating other civilization. So uh, there's going to be a lot of religious sculptures. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of sculptures uh, regarding uh, the military, uh, fertility, uh, harvest. Um, so nothing, yeah, all along... The yeah. lines, yeah, yeah. it's just and like you, a little more sophisticated. Definitely. There's a little more architecture uh, mm-hmm. involved um, during that time as well. I know they were building a lot of like temples, mm-hmm. and um, so people like now these different tribes, yeah, and these different uh, social groups are starting to build culture. Like they're having like a cultural identity, right. and we're right, starting right. to see that in their architecture, in their statues, and their paintings, whatever it is, and their mm-hmm. jewelry, all of it. Like they're establishing their own like unique style and like mm-hmm. of their of their society mm-hmm. and all these start to blend together when like civilizations start to take over other civilizations so you get like a mixture of mm-hmm. different styles of art and techniques right um i remember like 
learning about Persia too, um, which was a very powerful uh, civilization during the time. And so there was a lot of emphasis on uh, their pottery, their weaving, their painting, metalwork, calligraphy, like all of that was kind of put on the map when Persia took over Mm -hmm. the majority of those lands. Um, Even in Egypt, you see uh, the building of the pyramids, which was huge. Huge. Yeah. um, You know Egypt. Like, you think of Egypt and you think of their art. You think of calligraphy. You think of paintings. Yes. So uh, it was very... Gold. Yes. Very meticulously done. And um, And I would say art was for the royals. Like, it was all about, like, like their their leaders were kind of gods to them. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. they really... Their art really emphasized this glorification of their mm-hmm. of their kings and emperors and queens. And all yeah, that. I feel like there was always a pattern where uh, a lot of the fine arts um, had to do with the richer in the society, mm-hmm. and then art was more like about a function a function when it came to uh, the lower class. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. I don't think they even thought of it as art. We yeah. now see it as art, but at the time, it's just, we're just trying to... Yeah, live. they're just vessels that they're using every yeah. day or something like that. All right. Um, so with that, there's some shift in, in um, history with the rise of the Greek society. Mm-hmm. Um, Greece kind of becomes the epicenter of culture and philosophy. Now we're really kind of getting into the humanitarian arts here. Mm-hmm. You know, like a lot of Greek ceramics, paintings, architecture. You know, when you think of Greece, you think of, you know, like the Parthenon. Mm-hmm and greek mythology and there's there's a lot to it um some notable uh, they notably emphasized this the perfect human physique mm-hmm. so they started to do a lot of sculptures um just to because in, in the greek mythology like their mm-hmm. gods are perfect and they wanted to really celebrate humanity yeah and so they, a lot of their art focuses on on that actually this mm-hmm. is kind of this perfection this perfect inner man um and with that, like along with the Greeks, there's another society called Etruscans mm-hmm. that are largely located in central Italy. Um, they were heavily influenced by the Bronze Age. So now you're getting all this new resources and this new technology uh, that is starting to influence art mm-hmm. in the Etruscans. Um, and then finally, within the civil, the classical civilizations, we get the Romans. And mm-hmm. similar to the Persians, these were like... And this is what he, this was like the best army that the world has seen yeah so far um and and like you said like like the civilizations before they completely they try to obliterate the greeks and the etruscans and really kind of push their culture and their ideas onto them um, but actually what they did was start to assimilate and kind of adopt their the greeks and the etruscan style mm-hmm. as their own so they kind of absorbed it and said hey this is ours now and uh it, it, and kind uh, of made their own like expression of it exactly so like even greek mythology like for example like aphrodite uh-huh. they renamed her to venus oh. they start to like redo history like yeah. they're rewriting history i feel like that's a thing own. that's definitely a thing it's, it's been a thing yeah. i think like, i think there's like a quote that says like winners write history or something like that yeah, like, I'm that's kind of messed up. up but the romans definitely did that 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 was their mantra oh my goodness um but yeah so everything about the romans like everything about it was bigger bigger the better like their yeah uh, their 
their sculptures got bigger, their paintings got bigger, architecture, their architecture got like the Colosseum. Yeah, like this was um, like just to like really emphasize like we're the Romans and we're here and we're right. here to stay. Yeah, but lo and behold, nothing <laughs> lasts forever. And so. This kind of leads us into the next major period um, of art, which uh, was like first century art. And this includes a lot of religious art. So early Christian art, Byzantine art, and Islamic art. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is when they were, I feel like uh, civilizations were using art as a part of their worship, as a part of their expression uh, for their religion. Um, they used a lot of art when it came to uh, uh, building their churches or centers of worship. Um, that's very clear in Islamic art. They had really highly decorated motifs. I remember um, the, my only art history class that I took mm -hmm. was my world history of ceramics class. Mm -hmm. But so we solely focused on ceramics. But yeah. when we covered Islamic art, uh, just the in a single tile, a ceramic tile that they made, the level of detail and finesse um, mm -hmm. and these like motifs that they drew were just on another level of like perfection. It was very much geometric, um, but I was blown away by it that it was painted by hand. Mm -hmm. um, so that's just like an example. In early Christian art, they did a lot of mosaics where they built catacombs and churches and these um, buildings that were very complex, um, that had structures that weren't uh, created ever before. So I felt like this was a type of expression um, and a way of like honoring their religion. Yeah, it was definitely a form of worship that even in like the painstaking details, mm -hmm. it was a way to uh, like worship and glorify mm -hmm. um their god or mm -hmm. their gods which is kind of like a shift from even the greeks and the romans which was all about humanity and the inner man and uh kind of glorifying their civilization mm -hmm. we kind of start to see a, a switch in culture where um, a lot largely the society uh, western society and, mm -hmm. and most of these were covering western yeah um the western art yes. movements because we just don't have time to uh, no, to cover just you know, I just want to let you know that art is happening in Asia. Art is happening in Africa. In a lot of parts around the world. But we're focusing more, mostly on Western, Western art. art. Yes. Um, but with that said, I think this is where we also start to see a shift. And there's sort of a relationship between movements. Mm -hmm. So now we're heading into the Romanesque Gothic art period. Uh, this was mid 12th century into uh, as late as the end the beginning or the end of the 16th century yeah i would even just for everyone that's not familiar with those mm -hmm. terms this is like the medieval times okay yeah like the dark ages mm -hmm. like the bubonic plague blue blonic blue blah, blah, blah. the bubonic plague the bubonic plague <laughs> black death yes Lots so of death. trying times uh and i feel like a lot of the societies were held together by christianity in this time so religion and feudalism, uh, yes, much of it. Serfs, kings, like there's a a very mm -hmm. strong di distinction between classes here. Yeah. So if you guys don't know what feudalism is, it's when a, a king gives land to nobles or lords who fought for him or fight for him. Um, there's a lot of religious symbolism in the art during this time period. Uh, the biggest, I guess, form of art 
that stands out during the Gothic period was the architecture, yes. um, the building of the cathedrals, mm-hmm. uh, Leaning Tower of Pisa. If you guys are familiar with that one, it all fits into this time frame. Exactly. So now civilizations are using, initially it was for like building castles and fortresses and walls, mm-hmm. uh, but they're now using this technology uh, to build their cathedrals um, and just for this, like the grandeur mm-hmm. of of both their religion and their kings and, mm-hmm. and their queens. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is also a time period when you actually begin to hear individual names of painters and sculptors during the time, uh, whereas before painters and sculptors were mostly nameless. Right. So now we're getting some celebrities mm-hmm. like Giotto. Giotto is one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Crivelli. Uh, lots of Italian painters lots when I people. looked up on Google. <laughs> Mostly Italian yeah. people that did a lot of religious paintings. So artists are now getting fame for their work. Like they're kind of getting recognition mm-hmm. for their, their own individual styles. Yeah. And there's like an appreciation that grows from that. Yeah. And I think that eat like that readily falls into like leads us into the Renaissance age. Mm-hmm. Um, so during the Renaissance age... Uh, this kind of encompasses the 14th and 16th century. Okay. Um, it's still largely based in religion, but it's a little bit more colorful than this dark age, this medieval time period, this Gothic art style. Mm-hmm. Uh, we actually start to see a bit, um, people start to bring back this kind of Greek style of art mm-hmm. where we're celebrating humanity yeah um so you start to see a bit more color we start to see a bit more sculpture art you're coming out of the dark ages and yes. so there's like the the mood the tone is more celebratory than exactly not. exactly um and then we start to see even more notable names such as Leonardo da Vinci, Donatello, oh, Michelangelo, Raphael, Raphael Shredder, <laughs> Master, Master Splinter. Splinter. <laughs> all the names oh, that we recognize goodness. are starting to emerge mm-hmm. during the Renaissance period. Um, and I think Michelangelo, he has this great quote that I think really kind of encompasses the Renaissance period, mm-hmm. when, which he says, uh, the true work of art is but a shadow of the divine perfection, which wow. when I see the Sistine Chapel, I'm like, this is... Have you seen it in person? I've never seen it, but... I feel like if you see like those paintings in person, it's a whole nother experience. Yeah. I, I remember just even seeing ceramic pieces in person that I've only ever seen pictures of. There's like a level of depth to it that you just can't get from pictures. Yeah, totally. I mean, I just, just that you can, any, any person, if you saw the Sistine Chapel or any of these like grand Renaissance art, like Mm -hmm. these artists, these like Mona Lisa, when you look at it in person, you, you can understand why they're masterpieces. Yeah. Like just the technique in itself Mm -hmm. is so like masterful Mm -hmm. that I think this is when people like most people would consider this I'm doing air quotes right now yeah (laughs) (laughs) so after that we start heading into the baroque rococo period that is something I needed to look up because I was like rococo sounds like some chocolate brand it does and I I love it because it reminds me of Ferrero Rocher. Exactly. And like that, if if a candy could e- exemplify the Rococo style, like it would be Ferrero Rocher. 
you're absolutely right because it's covered in this like really fine gold foil mm-hmm. and that's it kind of does tie us into that very baroque, decadent highly detailed elaborate yes decadent rich um just gluttonous just it's it's style such a, it's yeah. such a switch from this like whole like medieval like piety like like this pious sort of movement mm-hmm. where it's all about god and religion and like this the humility of man like you it was like (laughs) not classy and now we're heading into the exact opposite of that um the baroque move uh, like art movement started in rome and italy that part of europe um this was during like the 17th to 18th century and this was very much uh linked closely with the catholic church Mm -hmm. so art was culturally and politically uh, unique to whatever country mm-hmm. uh it so there's like very definitive styles yes um but it all kind of still had that same theme of religion mm-hmm. and the catholic church but the main difference here um with the baroque style of like religious art everything becomes so much more dramatic like the light and dark there's this a lot is of- true there's a lot of play on shadows yeah. a lot of contrast mm-hmm. So everything's just more dramatic now. Like, yeah. you're like, you know, forget being like, I, I'm, I was a surf, but I'm going to make a name for myself. Like, I think this is kind of there's that transition here. Yeah. And and I did look up and it was saying uh, on the Internet <laughs> that humanism became the focus of this time period. So a lot of artists began to introduce like human emotions and passion mm-hmm. uh, and incorporate that with um, new understandings, even like scientific uh, mm-hmm. discoveries and understandings to their work while still re- uh, retaining the religious undertones. Right. And, and there's a lot of exploration, just kind of other historical things that are happening. Um, humans are starting to delve into like astronomy and mm-hmm. exploring different countries. Mm-hmm. And, and so there's just this expansion of, of the, our understanding of the world. Yeah. So now we're going to head into this time period. Uh, called the neoclassic and romantic era. Mm-hmm. Um, neoclassicism emphasized objectivity, order, and restraint. So a lot of this inspiration came from the classical age of the Greeks and the Romans. And it's directly contrasted to the Romantic era, which emphasized subjectivity, imagination, and emotion. So Romanticism followed Neoclassicism. Um, Romanticism got a lot of its inspiration from medieval and Baroque times. So there's like a huge contrast there. And um, that's, that's why during, if you ever learn about art history, these two time periods are uh, grouped together because mm-hmm. they were they were like con- they're like contrasts of each other yeah I, I whenever i hear neoclassicism i always think of that one napoleon bonaparte on that white stallion oh and he's yeah. just like looking so grand and majestic in a direction and, and-, and when you say like they do um these artists are starting to uh, like bring back this kind of greek uh style of art mm-hmm. like they kind of make uh like human like just like historical figures into sort of godlike figures oh and, i see what you, know, you mean like, yeah 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 they're kind of bringing that in like napoleon was a great general yeah um but like it just it was so like 
it's like glorifying this really, person. Yeah, and we're kind of going yeah. back to that. I feel like if you were to look at a painting with him in it, the first place that your eye goes to is him because yeah. that's like the pro- probably like the brightest part of the painting mm-hmm. and that was done on purpose. Yeah. So they're bringing back that kind of Romanesque uh, ideology back to art. Yeah. Like where it just really emphasizes this person and this this culture and this civilization. Yeah. All right. So now we're heading into a very different time. Do you want to elaborate? Yeah. So now um, there is kind of a pushback of what art is. So now you're starting to see some budding of heads with how people interpret art. So mm-hmm. this gets a little bit interesting. Uh, so out of neoclassicism and romanticism, which we talked about how it's it's taking um, a few notes from the Greeks and the Romans, mm-hmm. um, people are starting to reject this idea of like historical art okay yeah um basically their philosophy was if you weren't there like don't paint about it interesting like they want to know what's real like they are they're now seeking uh art as a form of expressing what's happening right now so realism uh it 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 detaches itself from this like form of like there's needs to be a contrast and there needs to be these forms and lines and it needs to be symmetrical and there needs to be some sort of story and context they completely uh drive themselves away from it mm-hmm. and they're they want to uh talk about and, and express in their art what's what's happening what's like what's real life mm-hmm. like it's there's a lot of struggle here and it's not always for the rich and, yeah. and, and for these emperors. Like and real it, life's not romantic. Exactly. So yeah. now there's this kind of pushback. And furthermore, as we go into the Impressionism and um, post-Impressionism, and Impressionism, a lot of the names that you might recognize are like Monet and Manet, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Renoir, like all these people um, starts to play with different colors and it's kind of an interpretation of a moment mm-hmm. and so they're kind of like in the moment mm-hmm. uh i love like when you look at a monet the lily pad and i mean when you look it up online and when you see it in actual like when you see it in person it's just so different when yeah. you just kind of like you you feel like it's such a it's a stylized version of what he's seeing but it's like his interpretation of what light will look like and he kind of like draws you into it so it's an impression yeah of that moment i feel like a lot of paintings that i've personally done are more impression impressionistic too because you're trying to convey some sort of either emotion or um like headspace or just a moment like you mentioned with colors and with light mm-hmm. and with just uh something that things that don't look so realistic yeah it's, yeah it's an interpretation of what's happening in that moment yeah um, and so with post-impressionism, which is interesting, now this is like Van Gogh um, and Cezanne, mm-hmm. um, they take that same ideology of t- like capturing a moment or mm-hmm. that feeling of a moment, uh, but now they're they're experimenting with unnatural colors. Where like if you look at a Monet or a Monet, it, it they're still very realistic in a sense of like coloring. Mm-hmm. Like people's skin tones would be one. It would it would depict actual skin tones. Mm-hmm. Like the light refractions would mimic actual nature. But with post-impressionism, it's they're experimenting even further mm-hmm. uh, with taking away completely away from like realism. Is there still, it's still. It's kind of like, it's kind of jarring sometimes when you look at something that's supposed to be one way, mm-hmm. but it's completely the opposite or something that you didn't expect. Right. 
and like people hated it mm-hmm. honestly when when impressionism and post-impressionism were kind of making its way into society people were like what is this yeah it's like hearing screamo music for the first time and you're like <laughs> exactly. what in how the is world this art how this is that trash. how is this music like how yeah. do people listen to this yeah totally get it and it's funny because like 100 years later we're like oh look at this renoir painting it's i so- know they're like it's brilliant yeah, but at the time people were like what is this <laughs> All right, so now we're heading, we're fast forwarding, and this is still pre-World War II, so I get that there's a big time jump there, but we're heading into the modern era. So this is when you see art movements like Cubism, Futurism, Mm -hmm. and Surrealism all kind of come into play. Yeah, some notable names like Picasso. Huge with Cubism, yes. Uh, Even with Surrealism, would he fit in Surrealism, Picasso? Dali, Cal- Frida Kahlo. Okay. Kind of that melting time. If you guys know that picture. The yeah, with a clock. Yeah. In the desert. Mm-hmm. Uh, the cu- cubism was an art movement um, where people were creating more like organic forms that are broken down into very basic geometric shapes. Right. And this is a good transition from post-impressionism because this is it, during the post-impressionistic time period, they were starting to experiment with weird odd shapes Mm -hmm. and geometric shapes but cubism completely like adopts that as Mm -hmm. their style Mm -hmm. it's kind of interesting i was reading an article on it and it was saying that cubism aims to depict the world as it is and not as it seems so for example if you were trying to paint or draw a cup if you're looking at it from afar and not directly above it it looks like there's like an the opening of the cup is an oval but that's how it seems to us from this perspective when in actuality the opening of the cup is a circle so picasso or whoever participated in cubism would draw a cup with a circle and maybe some like basic shapes Mm. um and that's their interpretation Mm. of a uh, of a cup yeah um futurism to kind of clarify what that is was a style of art that embraced uh machines and the industrial age that was coming right uh, so during the modern era this is like we're at the end of the 18th century we're okay. coming into the 19th century industrial revolution is booming mm-hmm. uh, mass production mm-hmm. world war one mm-hmm. um all of this is happening during this time yeah and so that's why surrealism following futurism was kind of a pushback to that time period because uh if you guys have heard of freud he was definitely a big uh name during that time Uh, a lot of the focus even within art was about uh dreams and the subconscious and kind of trying to figure out what the meanings are Mm -hmm. behind that yeah we're getting real deep yeah here real subconscious Mm -hmm. um so now pushing forward to post-modernism, mm-hmm. which is after World War II, or during World War II and, and entering afterwards. Now, everyone's a bit disillusioned, mm-hmm. and I think artists now are taking this concept of exploring our inner conscience mm-hmm. and our subconscious. Um, uh, during the abstract expressionism uh, movement, this is post-World War II, they completely scrapped this idea of form and structure, story, any sort of content. Mm-hmm. They're like, it. You don't need content to to make art. Mm-hmm. So we do start to we we started to see that maybe at the end of the 18th century. Yeah. But this is like they fully uh, embrace that notion. Like art can be art is purely an expression, and mm-hmm. one of the most 
significant and well-known artist of uh, abstract expressionism is Jackson Pollock. Mm-hmm. And for him, it was about the process mm-hmm. and about his emotion at the time when he's making these paint splatters. I feel like art was probably used as a tool to cope, mm-hmm. you know, and during this time. Because you're yeah. right, this is after World War II. So there was a lot of disillusionment and kind of a, an aversion to rules. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, after, you know, after the war. And that's reflected in even in how people express themselves through art. So you're going to see a lot of expression of emotions through mm-hmm. it, too. Exactly. And so mm-hmm. you, it's funny because you talked about how, like, before you were, like, there was, um, you were at, uh, I don't know if you were at MoMA or at yes. an exhibit, mm-hmm. and you just saw, like, paintings of just one color. Yeah. I would say that's, like, abstract expressionism because mm-hmm. Mark Rothko is a, is a huge, like, American painter that I love. Mm-hmm. Um, before, like, when I looked at it, it was just, like, blocks of color. Mm-hmm. And you're like, what does this even mean? Like, I could do... I, like, why is this significant? Yeah, like, mm-hmm. oh, I could do this. But he, like, wanted to explore our, like, how we attribute our feelings and our emotions to certain colors mm. and so when he juxtaposes certain colors like orange and black or mm-hmm. blue and yellow like what kind of thoughts and emotions and feelings do you, do you feel when you look at look at it yeah and that's he's like exploring that kind of subconscious mind of yeah ourselves. And so it's it's interesting i i love abstract expressionism actually it's I would say my favorite. Mm-hmm. And you know what? That might come a lot easier to some people mm-hmm. than others. Like maybe that's just not how you your brain works mm-hmm. or that you perceive things or take things in because I think colors do um, evoke some sort of emotion or mm-hmm. feeling. Yeah. But it's it's a whole other thing to start recognizing what that does. Exactly. Uh, for and you personally. And it's, it's me, you know? Like, yeah. I, like, I love colors, and so I think that's why I resonated with mm-hmm. it so much, and especially with this time period of, like, using process as a way of understanding what just, what's happening. So when you yeah. look at the final product, it's not about the final product. It's about how the artist was feeling at the time yeah. this, pro- this canvas was created mm-hmm. or this artwork was created. Um, so I like I personally resonate with that because I love that kind of process. Yeah. Of but see, like that's why it's so subjective. Yeah. You know, you don't have to like it, but that's why I like it. Exactly. Um, so with that, during this kind of postmodern, s- s- this huge swipe from like 1930s to no- 1960s, mm-hmm. we also get into like pop art, which you know Andy Warhol. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows who Andy Warhol is. Lichtenstein with that comic book style of work that he mm-hmm, does. Mm-hmm. Um, op art, optical illusion art, which was interesting. It's, it's that kind of pinwheel, black and white. I mean, if you saw it, yeah. you would recognize it. It's very, like, groovy, like, very 60s. Yes. Like, Austin Powers. Is this kind of like... Um like those, I don't know. I've I've seen like the the things that everybody takes pictures of on Instagram, mm-hmm. where there's like a forced perspective. Yeah, is that is that does that fall under the art bar category? I would is that say different? so. It's like a, like optical illusion. So you're using now um, different colors to depict like per, like like weird like movement. Like you know, it's still yeah, but it looks like it's moving. So now people are experimenting. I see. So it's like with that kind of concept. Yeah. So I think this is where have you ever seen those like optical illusion books? Have, have I absolutely have. Totally. You see the dolphin. Yeah, I used to be obsessed with those when I was a kid. I, I was like, I see the dolphin. I feel like this movement kind of helped birth that okay. like series of, okay. of, of things that Wow, I can't believe that was an entire movement in itself. Well, I'm just I think those books like 
pulled from this movement, but yeah. op- optical art was like now people were kind of experimenting with that. But it was a it was very joyful time. I think yeah. um, even after abstract expressionism, which was a lot about like raw emotion mm-hmm. and like you said, like disillusionment and trying to cope with that. Yeah. I guess uh, there's aftermath. a different weight to it. It's a different type mm-hmm. of exactly. weight and appreciation. Yeah, and pop art and 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 this kind of like sixties is kind of more a bit more brighter, a bit more joyous. Yeah. A bit more celebratory. Um, but also we start to see in the pop art movement, um, like it's kind of making fun of art. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's now getting a bit more. It's getting ironic. Yeah. 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 So when, when Andy Warhol does his screen prints of the Campbell soup can, mm-hmm. he, they're just kind of taking like very, like things that we take for granted. And, mm-hmm. and now they're kind of asking the questions like, isn't this art too? You know, and he, he just kind of puts it in a different medium. That's and, interesting. And he's kind of pushing this boundary of like, what is art? And so I think art movements, like their main, their main point, or uh, this is my, my theory is mm. that they're always the main question that all art movements are asking is what, what is art? Yeah. What is it? Is this it? You know, and they're yeah. always kind of pushing their boundaries with that, with that idea. I guess it's hard to sit with a question mark in your head. Like, Mm -hmm. I think it's hard for all of us to not be able to define what it is right away when the temptation is to try and define something. Mm -hmm. Um, Because if I were to see a painting of Campbell's, uh, a can of Campbell's soup, I don't think the first place my mind goes to is like, oh, is this art? You Mm -hmm. know, what is art? I'm like, oh, it's a painting of a can of soup. Yeah. And uh, exactly. But when you understand what, Warhol was trying to what his question was mm-hmm. like isn't this art like how does this how is this not art mm-hmm. is was his was more of his question mm-hmm. so it kind of makes you think so like yeah. these so as you like start to learn more about the artists and what their intentions were and you start to look at their body just not just one piece of painting or their work but you even look at it collectively yeah um it just kind of gets more fun like you it's like a puzzle yeah that you're trying to figure out mm-hmm all right so this leads us right into present day uh where we have contemporary art which is basically art produced within quote unquote our lifetime Mm -hmm. um and according to wikipedia this includes art um with themes of personal and cultural identity family community nationality um so everything that you see today art today would fall into that category yeah the contemporary yeah there's diversity of the material used mm-hmm. um in artwork the subject matter time periods there's no like principle ideology um or ism that people focus on anymore when they're creating art it's very open-ended yeah but i think that also um a lot of the current art movements or like things that you see in our contemporary art like galleries mm-hmm. a lot of it has political and social commentaries yeah um, which is true for most of the art movements that we talked about. We just didn't really dive into it too much, but mm-hmm. if anything, contemporary art should be the most relatable because it's happening right now. Right now. It's the things that the artists are experiencing. Um, there's a lot. Yeah. There's just, we talked about feminism mm-hmm. in, in our last podcast, but uh, like the contemporary art, like there's a lot of uh, ex- exploration with that mm-hmm. and of, of gender equality. And there's a lot of, commentary about yeah, that in the art that we say, see. Yeah. Immigration is huge. We just did a we just went to the Santana Art Walk and yeah. I noticed a lot of the art pieces 
had were political commentary. Yeah, were political commentaries, mm-hmm. and especially within like immigration, mm-hmm. uh, immigration law, mm-hmm. and the things that are happening with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, like real quick, like people are experimenting with different te- technological mediums as yeah. well. And and with all art movements, um, one thing to note is this kind of relationship with technology. Mm-hmm. So with new technology, it's very natural for humans to be like i want to i want to test it out yeah i want to see what i can do with this exactly and that's just kind of a a very human thing to be curious about so uh even like instagram like those installations people kind of comment about how like this is just for instagram like this installation was here just right like the ice cream museum exactly but i'm like that's part of it though like we're experimenting with how people engage with art yeah now mm-hmm. which is through instagram yeah which is a huge part of our culture and so we can't really discredit that yeah even all, though i did i, I, I know totally <laughs> i do too i was like oh, this, is, this is just for instagram like come on this is really art i know but it is that's the truth of the matter it is and, and i like where we've landed that there's no really like everything's open-ended anybody can say or do or like, express anything with art now and it's not so structured or it's not about like what is true art and what's not but it's really a way of expressing yourself and that's kind of where we are today yeah so let's take a deep breath because that, <laughs> that was a lot <laughs> we i just We've now turned into a history podcast. <laughs> that? This is episode two, and we've our our second history podcast. We are going to lecture you from here <laughs> on out. No, but thank you so much for hanging in there for that portion because that was a lot. I should have prefaced like if you want to skip over, skip forward. Yeah, yeah. Where you're here. So moving on from the history of art, <laughs> what else? besides context is important um that's a question we asked ourselves as we were thinking about appreciating art Mm -hmm. in general we kind of landed uh on the point that understanding the process of creating something also helps you appreciate that work of art exactly whether it be intention or the actual technique behind it yeah so some examples for us like with me um if you guys don't know uh i am i consider myself a ceramic artist um do a lot of dabbling with mud mm-hmm. um and for me i didn't quite understand um what goes into the making of anything made with clay basically until i did it myself until i learned um what a kiln is which is basically a giant oven and the specific it's very like it's very scientific too um there's a lot of chemistry involved and a lot of physics things certain things about physics you have to understand Mm. um so you can dial in certain techniques um and that's why there's a lot of ceramic artists that are famous is because they're known for using a certain technique mm-hmm. um, or being able to really dial into some kind of method. But now I have a newfound appreciation for even the mug that you use to drink coffee. Um, and I look at it, I'm always looking at mugs and bowls and cups and any ceramic for anything form and design related now. And um, that sort of appreciation, even the history, uh, world history of mm-hmm. art and ceramics came from delving into that. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't really consider myself a graphic designer, mm-hmm. but I definitely have taught myself to use programs such as Photoshop, Illustrator, mm-hmm. and Design. And I've used it in my work 
in my career and just in my hobbies and, and doing little side projects here and there. Yeah. Um, but I really kind of gained an appreciation for designers. Like I understand. Those programs are not a walk in no, the park. No, there's so many buttons. Like yeah. there's so many buttons that I had to learn and experiment with. Um, so I get it. Like I get when people or designers charge X amount of money for their time and or for you know their projects uh, because you're not just paying for one or two hours of work that they've whipped up a, a logo for you right or whipped up some banner for you what you're paying for is their expertise exactly you know, the time that they've spent learning about learning these programs first of all and mm-hmm. learning color theory and learning these kind of little uh, fundamentals of design mm-hmm. uh and the time that they've spent doing it, that's what you're paying for. Exactly. You're you're paying for what they've paved the way to learn. Yeah. And so, so even like kind of like we talked about, like adding certain like monetary value to mm-hmm. work and art, uh, you have to consider the technique that goes into it. Yeah. And, and who they are and the time that they've spent making it. Mm-hmm. It's all part of it. Yeah. Part of appreciating it. Yeah, I have a serious appreciation for digital art, too, because I've like dabbled in a, uh, a bit of, you know, uh, Illustrator and Photoshop mm-hmm. and just editing in general mm-hmm. on like a digital platform. And it is no joke. It's such you really have to have attention to detail to do that job well. And it takes it's like the little tiny tweaks that really uh, take up your yeah, time. I'm like, sometimes I'm. I spend like 15 minutes on spacing alone. Exactly. Just the spacing of letters, mm-hmm. like pixel by pixel. Right. And I just get really obsessed. It goes down to the pixels. <laughs> You're paying for the pixels. You're paying for the pixels, people. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I would say, you know, if you are wanting to gain a better appreciation or understanding of any art form, dabble in it. Do it. Do it. Try it yourself. Yeah. That's how I that's how I jumped into ceramics. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know, I've never played around with clay before. I've never tried pottery. So why not give it a shot? And, and you're and you're killing it now. I love I love it. I love seeing your Thank your you. I'm pot. like, I, it's all like everybody always says this, but you're always constantly learning. Mm-hmm. You're always learning. And I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But now let's think about people who who don't want to dabble. They're just like, you know, I really don't want to get into any form of art yeah or i don't have time to do that like myself but i still want to partake in this conversation like what how can we help these people i feel like introspection is such a huge part and always has been a huge part of appreciating something or observing something um and maybe that's not something that comes naturally to some people Uh, for me i'm like naturally a very introspective person so there's a lot of a dialogue happening in my own head with myself but it really does take practice mm-hmm. um, when you are listening to something or you're looking at something ask yourself some questions mm-hmm. and I think that'll kind of help you get your foot in the door with introspection in general and I think it could be very therapeutic absolutely like, I think it's really important to gain a self-awareness of yourself and your emotions and and where you're at mm-hmm. it might not be the most natural thing for people to do yeah but I think there's a lot of value to it where you can look at something external like a painting or mm-hmm. listen to music or read a po- poem or, mm-hmm. or read a book and, and and reflect internally and ask yourself these questions like how is this making me feel yeah and it doesn't have to be a hard thing like it could be something really a question that's really simple that's like uh what kind of art or what kind of medium are you 
like do you gravitate towards mm-hmm. um is it gaming is it graphic design is it uh fine arts like painting is it dance music mm-hmm. like what stands out to you and why yeah like, try and try and like notice what about it or articulate in your head or in words like what about it draws you to it or grabs your attention and why why do you like it or how does it make you feel even Mm -hmm. art that makes you angry or Mm -hmm. like like, this is so lame or dumb Mm -hmm. why 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 are you having those reactions yeah i think that'd be kind of fun to to explore and that's kind of why art is fun at least for me Mm -hmm. when you start to put put all these pieces together i love history Mm -hmm. so i do gravitate towards like understanding the historical context and the political and social context of that piece yeah but not everyone is wired like me yeah um but that's kind of why art is so dynamic and fun Mm -hmm. and could be fun for everyone because there's a part of it that you can truly like hang and relate to yeah um so yeah i i think like introspection and asking yourself like why does it make me feel this way is is a good place to start Mm -hmm. exploring your the inner self Mm. the inner like space yeah is why why does adele's song make me so sad yeah it really takes me back to why does it bring up these memories no no, i don't want that but i love it yeah i I want it but i don't want it you start singing yeah like uh, so complex i love it well, uh, personally for me, something that helps me appreciate um, art more or like ceramics specifically is the community mm. around it. Um, for example, the ceramics community in Southern California or just I think like in California in general is a lot closer of a community than you think. Mm. Like the circle is pretty small. And so everybody kind of knows everybody at some point. You've heard of a name. You've heard of a teacher. You've heard of somebody before. Um, And what I love about this community is that it really does value sharing information. And um, I I felt very welcomed into this Mm -hmm. community because they're so open to sharing ideas and helping new people who are just getting into ceramics uh, feel like, it's not a problem that you're you can't you know pull a wall or you can't center a piece of clay uh, because literally it takes practice and practice and practice and I feel like I'm a firm believer of practice really does make perfect um, when it comes to something like ceramics and that community really helped me feel uh, like secure in that. That's great. Mm-hmm. And honestly, just even knowing you, mm-hmm. I gained a much deeper appreciation and understanding of ceramics mm-hmm. before I'm like oh like before it was very much like oh this is cute like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I can see this in my house or, yeah I like this but after like learning about the science behind yeah. it and just the amount of work and the different types of clay and the glazes and how it all like reacts together mm-hmm. and I'm like wow this is truly truly a process yeah and i love that like for for the most part if you were to ask somebody who does ceramics like how did you do that Mm -hmm. they'll answer your question Mm -hmm. for you um i mean there are some people out there who won't tell you like maybe certain things about their technique Mm -hmm. or whatever but for the most part um everybody in that community is very much like open to sharing um and helping you get there and there's just this like fascination Mm -hmm. about the medium that that you just want to tell people Mm -hmm. about yeah so that's what i uh would encourage you to do if you want to um appreciate something Mm -hmm. more 
is get involved in in a community yeah and it doesn't have to be like even in person like one example that i can think of mm-hmm. um there's this instagram account called designers humor mm-hmm. and they're just a bunch of memes that designers can relate to mm-hmm, mm-hmm. just the struggles yeah the struggles of you'll have to show me that later <laughs> it's so funny like every time i look at it i'm like oh i get it like ugh, this is so funny and there's yeah. all these like different designers on on that are following and commenting just being like yeah i get it and they like support each other and there's this kind of like support system that yeah happens. uh but even like on a digital space like that there's community mm-hmm. and we should utilize it i mean it's yeah. here so we should just use it yeah i feel like being around like-minded people um or who have similar passions as you is super encouraging yeah and it also fosters like networking totally and it gives you a new perspective like if you're talking to someone and they bring in a new perspective for you like oh i never thought of it that way or never looked at it that way it's just opens up a new avenue for you yeah yeah all right you guys so we're at the end of our podcast here (laughs) So just kind of to wrap things up, um, I would say at the end of the day, everybody can participate and participate in and enjoy art. Yeah, no one should be disqualified and you shouldn't feel like you don't. Just, you're not creative enough. Yeah. Or you're not artistic. So many, there's so many different mediums that you can like partake in mm-hmm. or, or be interested in. So it's a, it's so broad. Yeah. Art wasn't always approachable for us either. No. Like definitely not for me. Like still to this day, I'll go to like a gallery or a museum or like an art walk and kind of stare at something and feel like, oh, I don't, I, there's nothing about this that I connect yeah. to. Um, but take that moment to just kind of remove yourself from that or like even ask yourself like, why do I feel this way about this? Mm-hmm. Like what about this do I not connect with? Why don't I like it? Mm-hmm. Um, and and move on, yeah. you know? It could be as quick as a few seconds mm-hmm. or you could take some time and, and think about it, but there's so much out there. Yeah. Um, so some things to kind of recap and keep in mind the next time you go uh, out to listen to something at a concert, uh, read a book, look at a painting or a sculpture uh, is one context. So try to remember or like get yourself familiar with what is the context of this piece of art mm-hmm. or the artist. Yeah, or get to know the artist. Mm-hmm. Like they're usually at art museums, there there's a bit of like an artist blurb. Mm-hmm. Read it. Yeah. Take some time to read it. Is it a political commentary? Is it like an exploration of the self or the psyche? Or even the medium itself, Mm -hmm. you know, the technology. Mm -hmm. Um, Another way is process. Process. What's the process? mm -hmm, Like learning about the process, learning about the medium that the artist is using, Mm -hmm. um, gaining a a much more technical understanding of what's happening. Yeah. It's going to help you appreciate it more. Yeah. And if you look at like, if you go to a gallery, for example, and you see that little placard next to the work of art, it'll tell you what the material is that Mm -hmm. they used. Um, They'll tell you the dimensions of the canvas. Even that bit of information you can take in um, to appreciate what you're looking at. Mm -hmm. Um, introspection, like we mentioned, ask yourself, uh, what sticks out to you and why, how does it make you feel? Are you reminded of anything, any questions, Mm -hmm. um, or emotions? And, uh, there's kind of this theory of like approaching art, like you need to remove yourself and look at it objectively. Um, but there's kind of like a pushback to that theory. Mm -hmm. And I would say the one that I drive with more is just whatever you're feeling when you look at something or whatever that comes to mind when you're listening to something 
um, it is what it is. Yeah. You have a cultural background and you're a complex person and you're coming – like when you approach a work of art, you're bringing a lot of things um, – into that inner conversation too mm -hmm. and it shouldn't be disqualified yeah i think instead just observe what's happening um with you when you are interacting with this um work of art yeah i think this is big i think this is what helps you connect with the piece personally yeah and, and finally, lastly yeah community community whether it's in a class or whether it's finding you know a like a group of like-minded people in person mm -hmm. or on a digital platform yeah like instagram is huge mm -hmm. a huge platform yeah. for creatives i would say um if i i googled it i honestly i googled pottery classes and that's how i started my wow. pottery journey nice. um so yeah there's a great tool called the internet mm -hmm. to help you find uh, creative communities around you um like michelle said local colleges that's where i'm taking mm -hmm. some classes for ceramics or i've been for a little bit there's private studios i'm sure community resources there's art walks like in orange yeah, county all the all time over. yeah all over there's like a. Uh, I think like farmers markets and things like that where people sell their works of art. And and I'd say like don't be afraid to talk to the people that you meet when you go to these kinds of events or galleries or museums. Yeah, this is their passion, you know? Yeah. Like they're, they're not in it for the money. Um they're showcasing Definitely their not in it for the money. <laughs> uh, the artist's life. You know? <laughs> All that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's their passion. So I'm every artist that I know or quote unquote artist, um, they're so willing to share. Yeah. You know, they want to talk about it because this is this is their this is their heartbeat. Yeah. You know, so. so don't be shy and put yourself out there. Mm -hmm. Get yourself into a community of creatives. And mm -hmm. I guarantee you, you'll walk out with more appreciation, a better understanding and maybe um, like more passion yeah. about uh, creativity in general. Yeah. And so hopefully today, the things that we talked about, um, these four things is going to help you kind of um give you a framework of, of our creator series is yeah. bring on actual individuals uh, and, and we talk to them about what they're doing and, and talking a little bit more about their craft. Like these are the kind of the four things that you want to keep in the mm -hmm. back of your mind as, as we mm -hmm. discover and explore together. We have uh, quite a few people lined up uh, for potential guests mm -hmm. for our creator I'm series. Really, I'm, really so excited. Excited I'm so to excited to pick their brains about this. And I hope you guys are just excited, just as excited as us. Mm -hmm. um, so until next time, you guys, I'm Joanne. And I'm Michelle. And this was Don't, Don't Take, Take Our, our Word, Word For It. it. Bye, guys. It's the fact check portion. Fact check portion. Yeah. All right. So if you, that was inspiring, you guys, please reach out to us because we are obviously in dire need <laughs> of a theme song or an intro song. So calling all, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, musicians and composers yeah. out there. If this is your talent, because uh, we might be lacking in this department just a bit. I mean, that was beautiful. I loved it. I don't it know about you. It was just so raw and I just felt like it just felt so it felt like me. Yeah. But um, I think we can always. If you would elevate. like to collab with us and maybe help us come yeah. up with an intro jingle. Please email us at detailpodcast 
at gmail.com. That's D-T-O-W podcast at gmail.com. Or send us uh, a direct message on Instagram. And our handle is at D-T-O-W podcast. D-T-O-W podcast. So don't take our word podcast. Yeah. All right. Well, hopefully someone reaches out to us because we, we need really it. Need it. We, we need, need it. it. Otherwise, you're going to have to keep <clears throat> listening to that. <laughs> which which if you mind. like it then okay. we're gonna continue plenty more where that came mm-hmm. from <laughs> well thank you for joining us thanks for listening to our episode two i know it's kind of a long one yeah it was the intro to our creator series yes kind of giving you a little bit of a, a background and a foundation for where we are headed uh for the rest of this year, actually, we were projecting um, with all the exciting topics and guests we want to bring on, <clears throat> kind of panning it out on the calendar. And it looks like we have enough content for the rest of this year. I know, which is pretty Yay! exciting. Yeah. Um, and, and aside from even the creator series, there's a few other topics that we want to bring up and discuss. So mm-hmm. we're really, really excited to see where this podcast goes. Yes. And we're so excited for you to be on this journey with us. Learning with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All so, right. All right. So with the fact check portion, um, as you know, we just finished up the Democratic debate mm-hmm. this week. I don't mm-hmm. know when this pot this episode is going to go out, but, you know, as long I actually as, did not. I'm not caught up with that. It's all good. You know, mm-hmm. we we there's a there's a lot to um, digest there. But we also had a pretty big debate here last time we were recording. And what was that about? Michelle? You know, about Austin's true Hogwarts house. You're right. So I was team Slytherin because, you know, I really, you know, I saw Austin. And I thought, man, look at this guy. Yeah. So ambitious. So cunning. Cunning. <laughs> I I thought Slytherin was just, they're just evil. They're like, they get a bad ancestry's rep. evil. Mm-hmm. They're just evil. Like I mean, evil. Uh, I can see why, but I think they're very misunderstood. You know, I have, a, I actually have a friend, one of my good friends. She's a Slytherin. A Slytherin? She's like really compassionate and kind, but I feel like this is the Ravenclaw side of yeah. you that's kind of like maybe like defending, yeah, or maybe the Hufflepuff side of me is defending him, Ooh, you know, wait, or defending her, maybe. But she's, uh, but I, I get it. She does have certain particular tastes. Mm-hmm. So, I well, mean, yeah. just to recap, it sounded like I think it sounded like from what we told you guys last time that Austin was a Gryffindor, but that was actually just Austin looking up gryffindor on the on google yeah and he, just he wasn't actually a gryffindor so we so we told him that week to go home and take the pottermore test and because it, it's not official unless it's pottermore exactly so he did and if you don't know what pottermore is it's like the official like what is it harry potter website yeah like it's like jk rowling approved jk rowling approved, approved website, website. So, so it's not official until you get sorted on that website. Exactly. So we told him to go home and get that done. That was his assignment. Mm-hmm. And he came back and... He didn't do it. So we forced <laughs> him to do it. <laughs> we forced him to do it before this podcast. <laughs> yeah. So right before recording this, yes. he went on Pottermore.com and sorted himself. And guess what? Drum roll, please. <gasps> he was uh, a Ravenclaw. Ravenclaw which surprise surprise Surprise. i thought he was going to be a gryffindor i was like gryffindor he's totally a gryffindor i mean look at him it looks like a gryffindor he does have the gryffindor uh, Gryffindor look look. but 
you know, but the inside, I really feel like, dude, he's a Slytherin for sure. But he surprised all of us. And turns and, out to be a Ravenclaw. And he, like, and you, you agree? Do you agree with that? Austin says yes. He's nodding. He's nodding yes. Yeah. He says, no, I'm a Ravenclaw. Okay. We're all like, right. oh, maybe you should take another, like, BuzzFeed quiz. Yeah. He's like, no, no, no. I'm a Ravenclaw. Okay. Okay. Like, confident. All right, all right. Confident. I like that. Okay. Cool, cool. So we, th- we put that debate to rest. Yes. We are both wrong. We were <laughs> We are both wrong. We've got a diverse group here. Yeah. I'm a uh, Huffledore. Yes. And I'm a Huffleclaw. Uh-huh. And we have just one, one Ravenclaw. Ravenclaw. Dang, we need a Slytherin in this group. Yeah. Or who needs Slytherins? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want that. All right. So now that we got that out of the way, um, one other thing about that. Um, we, you remember I was saying, I don't know what Niantic actually what they do uh-huh. but, um, but oh niantic the company, the company for, for that game that's out uh, yeah they're a san francisco based software company oh. and they do other games and they specialize in ar games i just want to like throw that that's out so there cool so we all know that was my con- contribution to this fact check well thank you mm-hmm. all right so let's jump into uh some actual fact checking <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens when you take our word for it and we just need to check ourselves now because we did that when we told you not to but (laughs) i did not take my own advice okay so uh just a few things to keep in mind uh the reason for having such an extensive episode (laughs) was so that we can build that that foundation foundation right so even for ourselves as we go forward yeah and if you're at a museum and you're looking at a piece and you look at the year that it was created um hopefully this episode will help would have Mm -hmm. would have helped you kind of identify or id that time period a little bit like if you remember something from our podcast for example a date and you look at a date of a painting or a sculpture in a museum we don't want you to think what the heck were they thinking because they are so wrong yeah um so we would just want to yeah and i go back and kind of edit some of the things yeah and i and i and i said on the earlier episode Mm -hmm. um that it was going to be like 15 minutes yeah we were like oh it's just gonna be a brief like 10 15 minutes of history i was i was um i was uh yeah no, it turned yeah. out to be like 40 minutes it was of 40, history. Yeah. I like found it. I like rec- I watched the recording go. And I'm like, oh, this is like 40. This is a really long history. So, and you know what's crazy? That was just us like breezing, breezing over through. the so, general you. movements. Mm-hmm. So thank you. And thank just you the movements me. like mostly in Western countries. Yes. Not even anything happening in Asia. Yeah. So. Um, another thing that I just wanted to clarify before we begin, mm-hmm. uh, I kept misquoting the centuries like an idiot. Uh, so when I, I, kept I say- you know what? Fake it till you make it, girl, because I was convinced. I you was were- like, oh, dang. Yeah, dude. OK, well, totally don't- the end of the 16th century. Yeah. <laughs> don't- well, that's good. But don't believe me because, okay. you know, I just I really do fake it till I make it. And oh, uh, I kept saying like end of the 19th century. What really I meant the 20th century. I was thinking <laughs> 1900s, 19th century. That was in my in my head. And then mm-hmm. as I was like re-listening to our episode, I just kept cringing. I'm like, I, this is this is the worst. I, I sound so dumb right now. <laughs> but so for Michelle's sake we're gonna go through <laughs> yeah i need to redeem myself we we're gonna do a quick timeline breakdown mm-hmm. and we promise it's not gonna be 40 minutes 
promise 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 it'll be a lot shorter than that just to clarify what the time periods were and um, between each movement sometimes there are big gaps of time so it's not like back to back to back but this is a good general outline of the uh the most notable art movements yeah all right so let's just jump into it so the prehistoric we started with prehistoric art and that lasted from about 30,000 bc to 3,000 bc so i kind of briefly said like 27,000 years which was true do you know what bc means before christ okay cool 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 did they change that no i don't think so okay well that's what i know so far that's what i've learned in Mm -hmm. elementary school Mm -hmm. i hope that's still current all right just wanted to clarify in in case anybody was wondering what that ever meant Mm -hmm. all right um ancient civilization lasted from 3500 bc to 1100 bc Mm -hmm. that was when we talked about like mesopotamia uh sumeria um what are some of the other civilizations i think maybe assyria yeah yeah persia Persia, egypt and then jumping into um classic classical civilization that mm-hmm. lasted from 800 bc to 350 ad and that's like the greeks and the etruscans and the romans mm-hmm. um, i also wanted to clarify um, i think i said during the when during the recording i said the greek society uh really uh emphasized humanitarian mm-hmm. art or humanitarian the- themes but um that humanitarian and humanism are kind of different and what i meant to say was humanism so i wanted to re-clarify that very different things very different things. humanitarian <laughs> is like you know like good works and like charity helping the needy or mm-hmm. whatnot you know aid mm-hmm. work which uh i don't know if they did or not maybe they did but that's not where i was trying that's not what i was trying to say <laughs> all right so next would be Early Christian art or religious art in general, uh, and that time period kind of falls into the first century, or if you'd like the numbers, it's 180 to about 1400 AD. So that's a big, that's a big gap. That's yes, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know some art pieces do do that. You look at the dates, like uh from those museums and it literally says like oh 180 to 1480 just anywhere between that yeah, giant chunk of a, time just a general that's where this um, piece just a ballpark <laughs> you know ballpark of like four, 14 1300 years you know <laughs> general um and the romanesque gothic art uh that lasted about a thousand to 1680 mm-hmm. um and we talked about the Black Plague. And so the Black Plague actually occurred between 1347 and 1351. Mm-hmm. So that's just to give you a time frame. So it's like smack in the middle of the Romanesque art movement. Uh, and I think I said something how something about um, during the Gothic period that the architecture was made for cast, like was invented for castles first. Mm-hmm. And then it translated into building these like grand cathedrals Mm -hmm. i actually looked it up and i have no idea what came first castles or cathedrals yeah i i feel like wouldn't castles come first i mean i would think so on a functional level yeah because i think like the general structure of a castle was mostly for like living quarters yeah um for royalty or Mm -hmm. nobles or whatever and then i felt like cathedrals are more associated with religious yeah but it was very very religious then 
Oh, you know? I see. It was just a, a lot of religious theme. Maybe well, it was just like mix and match. Maybe, like, like castle architecture inspired cathedral architecture mm-hmm. and vice versa. Yeah. I just wanted to let everyone know that yeah. I actually don't know what came first. What was the intent of the architect? Like what? the the technology was used for first Mm -hmm. but if you are doing your own independent studies please let us know (laughs) shoot us an email (laughs) shoot us an email dm us you know let me know Mm -hmm. all right and then uh renaissance art moves we move into 1400 to 1600s there ad by the way do you know what ad means amino i don't know (laughs) amino deo uh we're gonna look it up i'll pull it up okay well as joanne pulls up the actual what the abbreviation stands for uh so real quick renaissance we're moving out of uh the medieval times Mm -hmm. and so anno domini by the way is what ad is so close something in the year of the lord is what that stands for yes yes um so during the renaissance period we're moving and and europe as a whole is recovering from the black plague Mm -hmm. so that's why there's a little bit more like life also this is the time period that shakespeare really comes Mm -hmm, into mm -hmm. his own with his plays Mm -hmm. um so there's a lot that's happening we're exploring with with a lot of human humanity human nature Mm -hmm. um, nature in general there's a lot of other like discoveries happening happening in this time yeah astronomy is really big galileo Galileo. Um, a lot of explorers like magellan columbus Mm -hmm. uh all those people Mm -hmm. and also philosophy like francis bacon kepler Mm -hmm. like there's a lot of scientific uh like that's i think bacon was the guy who uh who who not invented but he's the one that started the scientific method Mm -hmm. uh, i think i have to do another fact check Mm -hmm. i'm not so you guys will have to just do it on your own (laughs) all right so the next uh, couple periods are going to be the baroque and the rococo periods uh the baroque kind of movement went from 1600 to 1750 ad give or take obviously um and then the rococo period went from the 1700s to 1750 just around that time yeah and right off the right at the tail end of it we jump into neoclassicism and romanticism which lasted from 1750 to like 1860 1880 all right so now we're going to move into the realism movement which lasted from about the 1830s to 1870 um can you tell us a little bit more about that yeah so um we kind of talked about how realism was about depicting real life which is true uh, but just to give a little bit of juxtaposition between realism and impressionism Mm -hmm. uh, realism is what we are seeing okay for ourselves and impressionism like trying to be as identical to what we're exactly and and the content itself too it's not like uh, a certain historical figure we're looking Mm -hmm. at like migrant workers or we're looking at uh just like farmers and Mm -hmm. agriculture were kind or just normal society people Mm -hmm. just kind of out and about was there a lot of like still art during this time as well yeah let's see so Mm -hmm. um and impressionism is how we see it how we saw see it right right so it's a lot of play on light Mm -hmm. and using colors was this where we mentioned van gogh yeah so van gogh was post-impressionistic and uh more like monet Mm -hmm. renoir like those guys uh were considered impressionist artists Mm -hmm. 
Um, so it's like, you know, very pretty. It kind of mimics like movement a little. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was more about the scene than any Capturing sort of. Capturing the moment. Exactly. Capturing more than like a certain story or trying to tell a story. It's right. just kind of like, this is what I'm seeing and this is how I'm seeing it. Right. So kind of playing with that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. Um, also, I uh, mispronounced Suzanne's <laughs> name. I sounded like. Uh, really like an american Suzanne. Suzanne. but it's Suzanne. she's written in the notes here she said Suzanne like a dirty american that's yeah. me <laughs> it's Suzanne. i feel like i sound like that a lot too yeah you know with a lot of french dirty american mm. mm. you know what whatever <laughs> so, <laughs> the next movement it's like oh well oh well, it, it i said what it, it whatever uh, um the next uh two big movements would be uh surrealism and cubism uh those were both like big art movements that kind of tied into each other um it happened between the 1900s to about like 1939 yeah. so the early 20th century aha mm-hmm. yep. thank you yep, yep. Uh, and somebody that I mentioned during this period was Freud. And I kind of just threw that name out there, assuming that y'all know who Freud is. Uh, and it, But if you don't know who Freud is, his full name is Sigmund Freud. He is actually a neurologist and the founder of psychoanalysis. Ooh, psycho. Psychoanalysis. Analysis. So definitely uh, the bells that are should be ringing in your head uh should, or the word that should be ringing in your head is psychology. Uh, so Freud um, discovered this method uh, for treatment called psychoanalysis, um, and it focused very much on the unconscious mind. So he theorized that unconscious motives are what control our behavior, and so he really got into um, hip- hypnotism as like maybe a method to figure out uh why somebody might be struggling with something mentally mm-hmm. um and it was a lot it a lot of therapy wrote on the patient and the therapist's mm-hmm. relationship wow. okay. so that was that's to this day like a pretty big method for uh treating any kind of wow. mental disorder yeah so he's like the father of self-care kind of kind of, kind of. <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that that term uh, Freudian slip, yeah, that's where the start Freudian comes from. Slip. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so moving into abstract expressionism, uh, this lasted. Well, this began around 1945, just at the uh, right after mm-hmm. World War II, um, and it and still we still see bits of uh, abstract expressionism happening today. So mm-hmm. even contemporary artists are still uh, are still like what is that word? relating to to this movement so mm-hmm. yeah abstract art is still a thing yeah um i love abstract mm-hmm. art honestly yeah um too. it's hard to make sense of it uh and sometimes i feel like artists don't want you to be able to make sense of it and that's and kind of sit there with d- the discomfort of not being able to like pinpoint exactly, exactly what or define something or figure something out uh so that's i kind of like that yeah, elusiveness about abstract art mm, same um and then pop art started mm-hmm. in the late 1950s to present day mm-hmm. and then contemporary art is 1970s to present to day now. yeah right yep, yeah yep 
so yeah that's kind that's of that's pretty much it. all we have for you today for this back check we, portion we want it because the episode was so long yeah we didn't want to you know drag this out for too 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 much but yeah i mean stay tuned we're gonna we're kind of excited to start our creator series yes. we have a few people lined up already mm-hmm. um we're also going to be interviewing joanne yes about my favorite topic in the world which is currently ceramics, ceramics. so stay tuned yeah really excited I believe that's what our next episode is about. I believe so, too. I mean, we have complete control over that, but we can make that decision now, right now, which I think we are. We're making that decision (laughs) as we speak. So, yeah. Well, thanks, guys, for joining us. Thank you. Uh, We're super excited to kind of kick this off with everyone. Um, It's a little bit scary. Like, it's our first time doing anything like this. Yeah. But Uh, then we remember that it's really just for our entertainment. Yeah. And so, yeah, well, we'll see you guys next time. Or not so, see you. Yeah. We'll uh, tune in to us next time on Don't, Don't Take, Take Our, our word, word For It. it. Bye, Bye. guys. <laughs>